0: it's Steelers fans what's going on this is jeff hartman your host of let's ride your monday wednesday and friday morning podcast right here on the steel curtain network which is a part of the fans for sports network thank you for taking the time on this friday As we in the United States get geared up for a three-day weekend with Memorial Day on Monday, most people having the day off. little scheduling note, I'll say this now. There's a chance I don't have like some super spectacular Monday morning conversation because of the holiday. Nonetheless, I will still be back on Monday. So even if you're off, check us out. Or if you don't, check me out on Tuesday. That's fine. It'll still be there. As always, Let's Rides every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, no matter what. We've got a lot to talk about in this podcast today. We got some news unofficial official signing since the last time we talked. We have Jeremy Jerome Betts coming up in the second half for the All Bets Are Off segment. And, of course, every Friday we finish the show with a heart-to-heart, so make sure you stay tuned till the very end. Let's get started with the news, and then we'll talk about the crux of this podcast early on in the first half. The news was that I talked about this on Wednesday that Marcus Golden had visited the team he is now an official member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He signed a one-year contract. Everything about this seems to be at least, I guess the way I would put it, and I'll ask Jeremy about this when I have him on the show. He kind of knows the depth around the league better than I do. It's at least an upgrade over what the Steelers had last year when they went with Malik Reed. They traded with the Denver Broncos. That was on cutdown day. At least it's better than that. And I understand that it doesn't take much to be better than that. But when you think about the drop-off from T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith to whatever that third outside linebacker is, this seems to be less precipitous than what we had last year with Malik Reed. So I'll talk about that with Jeremy in the second half, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Now, the, the, this podcast is the one that I've been kicking down the street. It's like you kick the can down the street, eventually you got to pick it up. Two weeks ago, two flipping weeks ago, our buddy that gives me topics all the time, Southside Doc, he's the one that said, hey, I have a question for the mailbag, and I said I'm going to do a whole show on it. And I've had the notes, I've had the data, all that stuff. Not really data, I'm not Dave Schofield, but still, you understand. I have my notes here, and I had I was like, okay, we're going to do it. Now the news has kind of calmed down from week one of OTAs, so let's do this. The question that he asked was, do the Steelers develop their players to their fullest potential that word that P word that I don't like potential I've never liked that word potential ever since I started coaching I've never liked that word because when you have all this potential built up well it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get to that it doesn't mean you're going to you're going to reach those levels and that's why potential can be dangerous you know what you're capable of but you still have to go there and get it done so this is tough to gauge because when you talk about potential everyone has a different framework in their mind for what that looks like and when you ask the question of do the Steelers develop their players to their fullest potential that's even more difficult this kind of if you think about it, strip this down it kind of goes back to are they develop are they let me let me rephrase this are they drafting players that are developing well in their system and that might be the best way to kind of piece this thing together as we mentally unravel this. So how do you gauge helping players? Well, reaching their fullest potential, like I said, that could be different for everyone. So I focused on the last 10 years. So I went back to the Steelers draft class ever all the way back to 2013, and I looked at all the draft drafted players. And I looked at which players earn a second contract. That's what I wanted to see. Because when you think about the Steelers, you know everyone believes they're a homegrown organization. They like to grow through the draft. I agree. I agree 100%. They're not the team that's going to go out and buy everything. They're going to try and grow their own talent. And I think that's a smart business plan. But has it been working? So let's look at the last 10 years, and we're looking to see who earned a second contract. You might be surprised. You really might be surprised. And this should also, by proxy, help you, the listener, realize that a lot of these picks, you know, we talk about the drafted players, Steelers just drafted seven, and everyone's really excited. Sometimes it just doesn't work out the way that you think it does. So let's go back 10 years ago. This is tough. I can't believe it's 10 years. But still, 2013, first round draft pick, Jarvis Jones. Did he earn a second? Did he earn a second? No. He did not earn a second contract. Le'Veon Bell did. He earned a second contract. Marcus Wheaton, he did not. Played his whole rookie contract. That was it. Shamarco Thomas, same. Landry Jones earned a second contract, fourth round draft pick. Terry Hawthorne, no. Justin Brown, no. Vince Williams, yes. Nick Williams, no. No, he didn't. So he's still in the league. But he did, not, uh, he did not earn a second contract. So out of 2013, only three players, Lev Bell, Landry Jones, and Vince Williams, earned a second deal with the team. Let's go to 2014. Ryan Shazier, sadly, no, because of the injury in 2017. Stephon Tua did. Dree Archer, no. Martavis Bryant, no. Because kicked out of the league, essentially. Shaquille Richardson, no. Wesley Johnson, no. Jordan Zumwalt, no. Big Dan McCullers, no. Yes, he actually did. And Rob Blanchflower, no. So 2014, only two. Two hit in McCullers. Let's go to 2015. Bud Dupree, yes. Senquez Gol. I I counted by the way with Bud Dupree, he got his fifth. He got a franchise tag, so I I counted that as like a a second deal. So Bud Dupree, yes. Senquez Golson, no. Sammy Coates, no. Doran Grant, no. Jesse James did but not with the Steelers. So no. Ladarius Walton. No. Anthony any Chicolo did, he actually got a second deal. And then you have Gerard Holman. No. So out of those, only two. Chicolo and Dupree stuck around after one, after one contract cycle with the Steelers. 2016. Yeah, this is a good one. Artie Burns. No. Sean Davis. Yes. He actually did get a second deal. Jayvon Hargrave, no. Free agency went to the Philadelphia Eagles. Gerald Hawkins, no. Travis Feeney, no. Demarcus Ayers, no. Tyler Matikavich, no. Signed with the Buffalo Bills in free agency. Remember we he got that deal and everyone was like, holy cow, I can't believe they signed him to that deal. Let's go to 2017. So rewind, 2016, one player. One player got a second deal with the Steelers. That was Sean Davis. 2017, this was a good one. TJ Watt, yes. Juju Smith-Schuster, yes. Cam Sutton, yes. James Conner, no. No, injury plagued. They let him go, and he went to Arizona. Joshua Dobbs, he did get a second contract with the team. Brian Allen, no. Colin Holba, my hero, no. Keon Adams, no. So in 2017, though, they did have four, T.J. Watt, Juju Smith-Schuster, Cam Sutton, and Joshua Dobbs. 2018, Terrell Edmonds, yes. James Washington, no. Mason Rudolph, yes. Chooks Corford yes. Marcus Allen, no. Jalen Samuels, no. Joshua Frazier, no. Let's go to 2019. There was three, Edmonds, Rudolph, and Chooks in 2018. 2019 is the last one. Devin Bush Jr., no. Deontay Johnson, yes. Justin Lane, no. Benny Snell, still a free agent. He might come back, but as of now, no. Zach Gentry, yes. Sutton Smith, no. Isaiah Bugs. no. Ulysses Gilbert, no. Derwin Gray, no. Gilbert and Gray came back to the team at some point, but no, they did not earn that second deal. This is tough, and I'm going to talk with Jeremy and about the 2020, 2021, the implications, but when I go and look at this, it was really eye-opening. I'm going to be completely honest. This was really eye-opening to me when I looked at all those players that were drafted and maybe what I got from this exercise was not really what the question was. The Steelers, do they develop their players to their fullest potential? Well, I want to look at the players that I mentioned. So let's go back one, one more time. I'm not going through all of it. Le'Veon bell, second round pick Landry Jones, Vince Williams, Vince Williams was a six round pick. To it second-round pick, McCullers, sixth-round pick. Dupree, first-round pick, Sean Davis, second, TJ was one, Juju was a two, Sutton was a three, Dobbs was a four, Edmonds was a one, Rudolph a three, Chooks a three, DJ, three, Gentry, I think, was a four. Those are high-drafted players. So you have to think, do they develop all of their players and all of their drafted players? No. But what have we been saying what feels like ad nauseum about the draft every time it rolls around, and that is these day three players, round four and on, they are not guarantees. They really are not. And so I think the Steelers do an okay job of developing their talent and their drafted players. But to give you an example, one of the the draft classes that I was like, man, I can't believe it, a lot of these players did earn a second contract with other teams. So let's look at you know the 2016 class. So Javon Hargrave, if they could have afforded him, he would have stayed. Tyler Matakavich. we talked about how he got a second deal with Buffalo. They just couldn't afford to keep everyone. That's something else we have to consider here. There's no way they can keep everyone. It just doesn't financially work that way. You have to cut ties with players. You have to let some people go. They're going to have some tough decisions coming up in the future when it comes to some of these players. We're talking about the class of 2020, the class of 2021, and even the class of 2022. When they get to that point, there's going to be some tough decisions to make. That's gonna be something that I talk with Jeremy Jerome Betts about in the second half. We're gonna dive into all this, what his thoughts are 2020, 2021, kind of do some prediction stuff. Stay tuned for that. We're gonna talk about that in the all bets are off segment right after this break. We'll be right back. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is Friday. It's the second half of the Let's Ride podcast, which means it's time for the All Bets Are Off segment with Jeremy Jerome Betts. No, that's not his real middle name. That's just what I call him. What's up, Jeremy?
1: Uh, not much, man. I'm busy, 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 but have time always for Pittsburgh Steelers talk. Let's do it.
0: Yeah, man, for sure. Let's, let's get things started off. You know, you're someone that knows a lot of the players around the league a lot better than I do. Uh, I openly admit that. I'm not a guy that... Knows the depth on all 32 NFL teams, uh, but you definitely know more than I do. So when the Steelers bring in Marcus Golden Mm -hmm. on a one-year deal, and I know that last season with the Arizona Cardinals, his numbers were not very good, but he didn't have a lot of help there either. Mm -hmm. What were your thoughts on the acquisition? Is it one year too late for Pittsburgh, or do you think this is a good uh, outside linebacker three rotational piece, Uh, maybe akin to Melvin Ingram, but maybe not to that level? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think it is akin to Melvin Ingram as far as a guy with production, a guy who still has something left in the tank that can provide just solid rotational snaps for the Steelers. And I think he'll also be in a situation where he'll be grateful to have guys like TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith opposite him because he did not not have that in a year. And in most places where he has seen success in his double digit sack seasons. He's had somebody opposite him, Chandler Jones uh, in Arizona. And then um, in New York, that defensive line was very good. Um, Arizona just didn't really have anything last year. So you're looking at a guy, in my opinion, who can come in and be way better than Malik Reed was last year and provide much less of a drop off from Highsmith or Watt if they are out for a play or two hopefully uh fingers crossed they're not out for games at a time uh still with this acquisition but I would just say you're you're in better shape than you were last year at edge rusher number three and then if Nick Herbig can really develop as well then you've got yourself quite a a, a four-person tandem there that could really affect the passer
0: uphill battle for Quincy Rochet
1: now right I would say so yes unless yeah. he can prove extremely valuable on special teams, it would be an uphill battle for him. Uh, or they or they move Nick
0: Herbig to inside primarily, where Correct. they're trying to flex him inside. That's really the only way, the only route I see for Quincy Rocher to make the team. But there you go, some outside linebacker news. Uh, I didn't know much about the signing. The more I read yeah. about him, the more I, I listen to what others are saying about him. I like the signing. Omar Khan continues to do the thing as it pertains to... Yes. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I, that kind of leads me into the, the first topic, which is something I talked about in the first half of the show. You know, I was asked a, a question a couple weeks ago in my mailbag about, do the Steelers develop their players to their fullest potential? Mm-hmm. And this is tough because when you think about it from, well, what is the criteria you're using to, developing to their fullest potential. Anyone that listens to this show knows I hate that P word because yeah. when you have potential, you have to live up to it or else you're just never really living up to that potential. So I looked at it as like, did they earn a second contract with the team? Now you go back to 2013. It's not a long list to be honest yeah. with you. So looking at what Omar Khan has done this off season, looking at the draft picks, looking at past draft picks, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think the Steelers do a good job of developing their own talent, or is this a situation where maybe this is a changing of a guard and the way they do things might be beneficial in the future?
1: It is a tough question, Jeff, because <laughs> what's the measuring stick? You know, is it yeah. other teams, and because everybody's philosophy is a little bit different, so you can't just can't just say they have the same guidelines and 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 rules for how they bring players back or how they develop players. So I guess what you're looking for then is have these players gotten better in their time and have they become contributors overall, even if they leave? Cause sometimes a guy leaves because he's, he's, he's outpriced himself. You know, I think of Bud Dupree, he was in Pittsburgh very well developed, I thought. And from where he was as a rookie to where he was when he left, the the play, playmaking ability had jumped jumped up several levels and he, he had become a plus contributor on the Steelers defense but couldn't afford him he moves on so now the Steelers have to the start over and they i believe they did get him did they get him on a second contract jeff i don't remember he was franchise
0: they, tagged so technically oh, that right. is i i counted that as a yeah. second contract so i i listed him as as getting that deal so he was franchise tagged and then he left
1: that's what I thought, too, because I thought it was something something small, something short that he was able to tag on um, at kind of like a prove it deal, if you will. And yeah. For him, it was the franchise tag. But yeah, so I would say as a as a Steelers fan, I'm I'm pretty satisfied overall with the development of the roster. I think that they have weak areas, say cornerback um, offensive line has been fairly weak recently as far as you know, Kevin Dotson comes in, has a couple good games to close out a year. And, and you think maybe this guy could be the future of the offensive line. And then something falls apart, whether that's him, whether that's team development, you can't really tell. So I would say it's very fluid, but I'm also not discontent with how the Steelers draft and develop players They're I would, I don't know the statistics, so I would, my, this is just a guess, but I would guess that they have more homegrown talent than most teams do contributing at the at a high level, and the the players that they pay are not high price free agents. They're their own players more than most other teams.
0: You think that, and that is a narrative surrounding this team. But really, I, I like I said, I went back, and you, you'll listen to the first half of the show. I'm sure, sure. That, that in 2013 on, man, like not a lot of players have stuck around. So I want to ask you a couple questions because now the Steelers are getting to that point where the class of 2020, that draft class, is going to be—they're in their final year. Okay, so yeah. let's just go back. So Ch- Chase Claypool's gone; yeah, he—he mm. was traded. So you have Alex Highsmith, Anthony McFarlane. He's been cut before. Kevin yeah. Dotson still on the team. Antoine Brooks, no—he—he he didn't even—he didn't even get to a second year. He won a Super Bowl with the Rams. That's just beside the point. And Carlos <laughs> yep. Davis. Like that was the draft class that leaves you Kevin Dotson and Alex Highsmith. Now, if you listen to my Monday show, I was the one with the insider report actually had it before almost anyone saying that they're, they're going to get a deal done with Highsmith. So it looks like he will stay, but Dotson, do you see him staying?
1: No, absolutely not.
0: I don't, I don't either. So that means only one guy from that class would remain in terms of getting a second contract. So let's look at 2021. Okay. So you're looking at Najee Harris. Think he gets a second contract.
1: I'd say so. Yes.
0: At least a 5th year option. After right. Seven, well, right? here's what,
1: here's what I'd say about Najee is that so far he hasn't, he hasn't priced himself out of the, of the team like Le'Veon Bell did. Yeah. Uh, but also he's about to break the record for most rushing yards by a Steeler ever in his first three years. And it, he won't have to work very hard to do it. So I think production wise, he fits what the Steelers want, but I don't know if another team is going to pay a premium for him. So I'd say he lands a second contract with Pittsburgh.
0: And he, like I said, they still have the first round pick. They have the fifth year right. option. Yeah. Pat Fryermuth, second contract. I'd say
1: yes to that one. I would too. Yeah. Kendrick green. No, no, <laughs> no. Dan Moore though. There's value there. Yeah, there is Uh swing tackle at the very least. Maybe a guy who can, who can make his mark on the right side. If, they want to move on from the higher-priced for next year. Yeah, I, I I could see that happening. That one's probably yeah. 50-50 for me right now. Yeah,
0: Right, and so then you look, Buddy Johnson, not on the roster anymore. Not on anymore. the roster, yeah. Isaiah Loudermilk, second contract? Probably not. Yeah, probably, probably not at not. this point, yeah. No, nah, I mean, not with the addition of Keanu Benton. You look at DeMarvin Leal's there. Quincy Roche has already been cut, gone to New York, and is back. Trey Norwood, second contract?
1: Mm, I feel a little better about that one than, than some of the others, but I I would say he's, he's iffy as well. Yes. Yeah. Big press. Mm, Yes. I'd say he
0: stays. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So still, that's only like you just, we just named four. Yeah. Like four. That's a huge draft class, you know? And then you look at last season and it's too early to predict. And we're not even going to do that, but you have, you know, players that have played significant roles, but Chris Oladokun, hell, he was a drafted player. That's no longer even in the organization. Right. I think for me, what this, what this kind of did, this exercise did, it kind of opened my eyes to, you said it, the narrative that fans think these are, it's a homegrown team, but just listen to the players that Omar Khan, Andy Weedle, and then brought in this off season. You're talking about Patrick Peterson, Isaac Samalo, Nate Herbig, uh, Holcomb, Alandon Roberts, Keon O'Neill, Braden Fijoko, Tanner Muse, Chandon Sullivan. That's a lot of dudes. I mean, that tells me that the front office is kind of like, hey, homegrown, sure, we need to kind of do some weeding.
1: (laughs) You agree or disagree? (laughs) Well, I agree to a point, but I I would say also that every team signs a bevy of players uh, heading into an offseason. And whether they stick, whether, right, whether they stick or not over time is, is hit or miss as well and and so you have to consider that too but i think where the steelers might differ is look look at the players at significant starting positions and you're talking tj watt you're talking kim hayward kenny pickett uh pickens and i know some of these guys are still on first contracts um, but I would even say like Minka Fitzpatrick, no, they didn't draft him. They didn't get a chance to, he wasn't going to be there, right. but the first chance they got, they, they jumped on him cause they loved him in the draft process. They knew everything about him. And so to me, he fits in as kind of a homegrown player because now they've, they've developed him and, and put him in a role where he's one of the best players in the league. So you're talking high end contributors across the board and the Steelers are still filling in the the roster like they always have with second third tier free agents to fill roles and have some of the draft picks hit no have some of have some of them yes they have and you know the the structure of salary cap makes it very difficult to really tell if a team is superbly homegrown or not they're not the rams that buy everybody but they're also you know, I would say they they end up on the opposite end of that spectrum, along with maybe Green Bay and some of these other old style teams that that handle free agency in old school way. We're seeing a little bit of a transition here, I would say, but still overall, the Steelers are a homegrown team or a home. That's how they like to do business.
0: Yes, they do like to build through the draft for sure. And yeah. and you you saw that it definitely was some changing at the end of the Colbert era where. A lot of draft capital was leaving the organization, and you're kind of like, well, how are you going to build through the draft if you don't have a lot of picks? And so yeah. you, when you acquire a Minka Fitzpatrick, no one's going to complain about that. Correct. However, you still do need those picks. This isn't like you said, L.A. Ram, LA Rams F those picks as they right. had on their shirts <laughs> after they won a Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, But still, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that, that works out. Let me ask you this uh, because we're in the midst of OTAs. The first week is is a wrap. Is there anything that stood out to you? It, it could it could be Kenny Pickett's new helmet. I really don't care. Uh, <laughs> is there anything that stood out to you from Week One?
1: Significantly, not really. But I think what I'm what I've seen is that wide receiver room looks like it's got players that can really fill every yeah. role that you want. And so when I'm watching them run through drills, I just think Pickens looks so smooth. He's just a smooth, buttery athlete on the outside and makes makes it look natural catching the football. And then you've got you've got Deontay Johnson who just puts a foot in the ground and goes. And he's just so shifty and such a good runner. And you see that on in practice even and then really calvin austin the third getting out there and we're seeing him run it's been a long time since we've seen him run i know he participated a little bit in otas last year and uh before getting hurt and everything so we got to see it a little bit last year but still getting him on the field seeing his quickness i mean there's there's portions where the cameraman is is following george pickens right and then comes back and it's calvin austin and to keep up with him, he's got to move that camera just a lot faster. It's a different level. And Man. so that that to me jumps out, stands out. But looking at that roster, that pass catching room, if you include the tight ends as well, it just looks really good. The Steelers have done a fantastic job of of setting Kenny Pickett up for success in year two with the talent around him at the skill positions, and then just building a wall, a picket fence, if you will, in front of him.
0: Well, and you you didn't mention Allen Robinson, you didn't mention Akeem yeah. Butler, like they yeah. they now went they don't have options like that's what's right. crazy They, they have options now at pass catcher and I, I got to be honest there was a couple times I saw some videos of of pickett just throwing you know basic routes like there's nothing complex but they're full speed routes yeah. and I I swear like the accuracy he could have gone out and just handed him the ball and yeah. it would have been in that spot like really really impressive stuff I was really really good to see them now Kenny pickett's been all over the place. I mean, he's been on seemingly every podcast imaginable, and he was even on 93.7 The Fan, uh, I think, on Wednesday. What are your thoughts on Kenny Pickett going into year two? We've heard more from him now. He's coming in as the starter. We know that he likes that leadership role. What are your thoughts on Pickett now after OTAs have kind of kicked up, the offseason is continuing to turn on? What do you think?
1: I like that he's stepping out and, and growing his brand a little bit, if you will, yeah. because I, I think that, you know, as as a second year player coming in here, he's got uh, for this offense that's so young overall, especially in the skill positions. He's really stepping out and saying, yeah, I, I can I can lead this team in, in a myriad of ways on the field, off the field, throughout the offseason and this is my offense. This is my team and we're ready to rock and roll. So I, I'm excited for what he can do. And like I said, the Steelers have done as good a job as, as anyone at surrounding their young quarterback with talent. And I'm not saying Kenny Pickett has to be a, a superstar in year two, because we've talked about it before on this show I'm a firm believer in giving quarterbacks more time than than most fans want to be able to give them. (laughs) You know, they don't have to be come in and be really good year one, year two. As long as you see steady growth and uh, the ability to to improve on a year to year basis, that year three time frame is when you start saying, "Okay, now we want you to really step in and and be the guy. If you're going to be our franchise quarterback, can he pick it? is on his way there, I think. In year two, I think he can take another step towards that. I think he can be really good. And I'm excited for, with his leadership, with his, he talked on uh, football and with Ben Roethlisberger, how he just, sometimes he has a little bit of a nasty demeanor to him and he he gets in people's faces and that's just who he is. And I think a team rallies around that a little bit. And so I I see him being the leader, the player that the Steelers need him to be this year.
0: If Kenny Pickett was a top 10, he was ranked in the top 10 in most statistical metrics for quarterbacks. We're talking touchdown to interception ratio, quarterback rating, um, yardage completion percentage. If he's a top 10 quarterback at the season end, what does that tell you about the Steelers?
1: Uh, their championship window is wide, wide open is what I would say. Um, I don't expect him to be top 10 this year. I would I would really love to see maybe top half of the league, so top 16, if you will, if he's hovering around that middle uh, portion, because the offense isn't really designed for him to go out and throw 50 balls. I don't think that that's something they're going to ask him to do. So, you know, you want to see that touchdown to interception ratio widen. You want to see the completion percentage stay up. You want to see some of the advanced metrics still look good and the advanced metrics on Kenny Pickett were really good last year, despite the stats not looking incredible. So those are the types of things I'm looking for. But if he makes a top 10 jump statistically, then I think you're looking at a guy who's figured it out, who knows how to play NFL football and could be another one of these juggernaut AFC quarterbacks moving forward.
0: Let's just hope that doesn't mean that something drastically went wrong with the defense yeah. and they're constantly playing catch up and he has to throw his way back into games.
1: Very true. Yeah. Because,
0: you know, if, if they're dictating the pace, if they're dictating the game, the offense, the Steelers' offense is going to be based on what we saw in the second half time consuming. Yes. Run the ball. Uh, you just have to improve in the red zone. So that's going to be interesting and something we'll definitely talk about as we progress on. But Jeremy, tell people what's coming up, if you know, on the Steelers fix next week. I loved your all's future uh, You know, headlines of this past <laughs> week. It was a good podcast. Yeah. It was different. I like how you all thought outside the box, as well as what you might be cooking up on the website. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. So here soon, we're going to start talking some fantasy football things on the Steelers fix, uh, focusing on Steelers players, and how they fit into fantasy in their position groups and everything like that. And, and then also looking ahead a little bit to the 2024 draft class, we're going to kind of give an overview of what to look for there, where it could be strong, where it could be weak. Some players that stand out to us. We'll be talking about that in future episodes as well. And then on the website, I'm going to dive into some fantasy stuff later this week. Uh Dynasty rookies in good situations. That's coming up. And then I'm sure I'll figure out some more topics to discuss as far as fantasy goes. And then looking ahead to what's coming up on the Steelers calendar as well.
0: Perfect. Sounds great. Well, Jeremy, thank you as always for your time. Have a great Memorial day weekend. And we'll talk to you next Friday. Thanks, man. You too. Have a good one. All right. See you. All right, folks, that does it. Thank you, Jeremy, as always for, taking the time, as he always does, to join us every Friday. I do appreciate him and the fact that he takes the time. Let's finish this up with a heart-to-heart like we always do, shall we? Okay, when it comes to the heart-to-heart, you know, Memorial Day is coming up. I mentioned that at the beginning of the show. It's a three-day weekend in the United States, and a lot of people, they gather. You know, this is a big picnic weekend in the United States where people love to grill out. The weather's nice. The pools are opening up. All the kids are just they are getting giddy for the end of school. Like, it's a great time of year. It really is. And the one thing that, you know, considering the gathering, yes, the Memorial Day aspect of it and remembering those that lost their lives for our country is definitely noteworthy. But I want to say something about the gathering. I have been in my life and since I've had children, there have been times where I've, I've wanted to, you know, kind of, you kind of pull back from those gatherings where maybe it's just a pain in the butt to go and travel somewhere. or Maybe, maybe it's just one of those things where you just don't want to be around people. All I'm going to say is this, very few times in my life, let's say it's a trip back to Wheeling, West Virginia, where I grew up, where a lot of my family still resides, very few times do I actually regret going. I may regret the drive. I may regret loading up the van and all the kids and all the in the golf clubs. I don't regret that. I always will never regret that, but still, you know I regret all that stuff, but once I get there it's 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 good for the soul That's all I'm gonna say. It's good for the soul to be around those family friends, loved ones. so don't don't ignore that part. Don't ignore that part of the gathering. And if you're like me, you may dread the lead up, but when you get there, it's worth it. And you feel better because we're meant to be together. So keep that in mind this Memorial Day week. And if you don't live in the continental United States of America and it's just another week for you, then just keep that in mind for any time there's a gathering. It doesn't matter. As the weather warms up in your area or maybe it's getting cooler, doesn't matter. Gather, be with each other it's That's what we're supposed to do as human beings, so take that for what it's worth. All right, that does it for me on Monday. Like I said, I will have a podcast. I'm not sure what the Monday morning conversation is going to look like, but you'll have me for sure on Monday, so make sure you check it out. In the meantime, you know how we finished out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Good to see you.
1: Sipping coffee, burning all to till- the.